With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, the most recent episode uh, with Tony Annan as guest, Atlanta United's Academy Director, can be found on iTunes and I believe on Spreaker. Today's guest is Michael Parkhurst. I have to say the retiring Michael Parkers because I think that's now like the official title until the last game of the season. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm great. Yeah, I guess that, that title fits for now. Has it sunk in? Is there any doubt, any option of changing your mind? No, no. It's, it's set in stone, and I feel good about the decision. I mean, it's bittersweet, obviously. It's... Um, it's been uh, a joy and a lot of fun, and um, I'm going to miss a lot of aspects of it. But um, I think it's it's just, it's the right time for me. Is it a little bit scary that October 19th could be the last game of your professional career? Um, yeah, it's well, not scary. Um, of course, uh, I want to finish on a high. So, yeah, it would be very disappointing if that turns out to be the case. Um, but uh, I, I seriously am, you know, looking forward to certain things of my future. You know, being able to get to more of my kids' games on the weekends that I miss a lot of. Um, you know, that, that being number one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the certain aspects of the grind I won't miss. Um, you know, so... All won't be sad and gloom and doom uh, when it's all over, but of course, uh, I hope we play for another month, not another two weeks. Since we're at the end of your career, I kind of want to go back to something way before even Wake Forest. A photo I sent to you, I think last week, a friend of yours had sent it to me of an indoor soccer tournament you played in here in Atlanta when you were like 10, 10 years old. Do you even remember that tournament? Of course. <laughs> I do remember. I don't remember how old we were. Yeah, maybe nine, ten. Um, yeah, we came two years, I think. And my family, we drove down both times. I remember from Rhode Island. We went to Disney one year, so we made a trip out of it. Okay. Um, yeah, that, those were amazing trips. I mean, we had a really good indoor team when I was young, and we had a lot of fun. I think we made it to the finals both years and lost to the same team from Ohio both times. Okay. 
Um, but it was it was an awesome experience to come down here. I still remember seeing Evander Holyfield's house. I don't even know where it is now, <laughs> but I remember we went and saw it. Was that at Graham Tut's indoor place? Do you remember where it was exactly? I I think my buddy said it was in Marietta somewhere. Yeah, I think that was Graham Tut's old indoor. Sorry, I played there as a kid. Okay, um, which is a little bit before your time as a kid. Uh, I just thought the whole thing was funny. But it, as part of that email that he sent to me was you were the best player on the team and everybody knew that you were going to go on and do something soccer related. But I wanted to know from you, do you remember when you kind of realized I'm pretty good at this and, you know, maybe I could be a pro? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, you're always measuring yourself against your teammates and your opponents. And so, you know, I knew that where I stood talent wise and how I could, you know, fit in and play with, with kids. Um, but when I got down to IMG for high school, Mm -hmm. uh, I played with some older kids there, you know, like you do in high school. And, um, you know, I did well and fit in, um, you know, some of the kids were at a higher level and, but I felt like I could stay right with them, um, for the most part. Uh, so that was a big confidence boost. And, um, you know, I don't think really at the time not many kids were going pro right out of high school, so it was never a a goal of mine or an aspiration. I always thought like, you know, I want to go to college. You know, from there we'll see. And uh, first year in college, uh, I started right away for the team, and we were the number one team in the country. And at that point, I kind of knew like, yeah, I think I think it'll work. Jeff shared last year that he still has a suit that he was given or bought uh, his last year in college in case soccer didn't work out, uh, something that he was going to go step into. What was your fallback plan? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was more confident because uh, <laughs> I didn't have one, which uh, probably wasn't a good idea <laughs> uh, looking back. <laughs> Uh, I did end up finishing my degree just in case, so I have that to fall back on. Or I had it, have it, um, if I needed it earlier than now. Uh, but honestly, I have no idea. Uh, probably would have been too late to switch over to baseball. So, uh, <laughs> is that your second love? <laughs> that is. That was my probably my first love. Okay. Um, you and Joseph. Yeah, I mean baseball and soccer were. Neck and neck playing wise, but there was just so much more baseball on TV. That's all we did. That's all I watched was the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge Red Sox fan. Um, now, I mean, I'm a huge Braves fan just living down here. Um, but, yeah, had no fallback okay. outside of uh, sports. Because we asked you in your retirement news conference uh, what was going to be next for you, and you said, I'm really not sure. A week later, I guess it's a week, two weeks later, um, have you given it any more thought? Um, not a lot, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think about it every now and then, mostly when people ask me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know right away what I want to do. Uh, I want to take some time to figure it out. Yeah. And I just know what I don't want to do and I don't want to travel and be full-time in soccer or, or anything in that matter that, that makes me travel you 
know, a lot, especially right. on weekends and stuff like that. So um, I'll see what opportunities come up that fit my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would like to stay involved in the game somehow in some aspect, so that you know, if if there comes a point I want to get back into it more full time, then you know it's easier. And of course, I'll stay in it just because my son plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not against you know seeing what else is out there, what other type of business opportunities, even if it's outside of the sports world. Um, you know. I'd be, I'd be up for trying something now. What is on, or do you have a soccer bucket list, things you want to go see or do at some point with your family? And, and if so, what is on it? Yeah, um, good question. Um, well, when the World Cup comes back to the U.S., I, I definitely want to get to a couple games. Um, so that's, that's definitely on the list. Uh, I'd love to maybe go to Barcelona or Madrid and see a game someday. Uh, I've, I've been to Madrid Stadium and seen a game there, but just you know to take the family, mm-hmm. um, take them back to my club in in Denmark and show them the city there and mm-hmm. where they were born and and and, and see a game there. Um, but that's about it. I've got you know bucket list stuff outside of soccer uh, other sports and stuff that I want to do as well such as we want to get to Wimbledon someday yeah that's high on the list yeah Um, that would be a really cool one Um, I'd love to get to other Olympic sports if I could get to an Olympic someday Mm -hmm. summer Um, or winter either either probably summer is higher on the list Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd be cool going to some winter ones as well yeah that would be fun um what stadium? Masters. Masters is high on the list. That's bucket list for next year. I've uh, yeah, I've I've been fortunate to get to cover that. I've been fortunate. I got to play it one time. I guess oh, the wow. national. I won the media lottery, and TV just doesn't do it justice. Yeah. Uh, the course, the, the difficulties of the course. It's it's unbelievable. Okay, I'm gonna get there next year. I just don't know how yet. Do you eat pimento cheese? No. Okay. Well, you might need to learn. That's Lacto- one of their famous lactose intolerance. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, then let's not have you eat pimento cheese. <laughs> if there... it gets me in the door, though, there you yeah, go. I'm willing. Uh, I think, well, no, I'm not going to say. You've, I imagine you've got friends who can probably help you get in to get you a ticket to Augusta National some way or another. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. I'm going to see what I can do. All right. Um, is there a stadium that you wished you had gotten to play in? In MLS? In, anywhere in the world. Uh, well, I'll start here in MLS. I was, uh, I wished we had played in Minnesota this year. Yep. Well, unfortunately, we played there two years in a row in terrible weather and not a great field. And then they open up this, you know, beautiful stadium and it looks really nice. And I would have loved to have played there this year. Um, so that that's kind of on the MLS front. Um, in Europe. Um, Not really. I guess I guess I would have loved to play at Manchester United one time. Mm-hmm. Um, just they were the biggest team growing up. They were always on TV. Ryan Giggs was like one of my favorites growing up. Um, and that was before all the off the field stuff. But mm-hmm. um, just the lure of Manchester United and how big they used to be. And I know they've fallen off a little bit, but 
childhood stuff they were the biggest um so that would have been really cool but Barca, Madrid, no, no thanks. I don't want to go over there and get schlapped and defend for 90 minutes. So <laughs> glad I never had that opportunity. <laughs> if people love kits, they love to wear kits, what has been your favorite kit to wear? The one you thought had the coolest look or, or whatever? Um, hmm. I remember getting a, an Ireland jersey when I was young. I've got my Irish passport, and I thought that was a really cool jersey. I loved that one. I remember getting a Tottenham one when I was young, youngish, mm-hmm. and a Manchester United one. Um, so those those were really cool. Um, probably those those three stick out. I, I did get I did get a Madrid one as well. I remember a white long sleeve one. That was really cool as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't as big a jersey guy as other guys, but. I did love those jerseys that I got. Of the ones you've worn, which one did you just hate? <laughs> uh, team, teams I've played for? Yeah, yeah, teams you've played for. I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, obviously the German Augsburg one was the one I had the, the least success and least fortune in. Uh-huh. So uh, that's lowest on the list. Okay. All right. Um You've been around MLS now for quite a while. What is the number one thing, in your opinion, that the league has to do to achieve its goal of becoming one of the more competitive, better ones in the world? Hmm. Man. Coming with the tough questions this morning, yeah. dog. I got you for a little bit of time. Winkler didn't even give me a heads up on these <laughs> questions. I mean... You're um, a smart guy. I knew you could take it. <laughs> we hear a lot about charter flights for example no. but I don't know how much that improves the quality of the league I think it helps I think it improves overall quality because mm-hmm. I think the travel demands on players is, is tough over the course of a season I mean you hear the stories about teams like having nightmare travel situations they end up flying in day of the game and they win but that's not sustainable and that's not good for the body over the long haul right. of an entire season um, so that would improve things but um, uh, I think that first you, that we need to clean up the salary structure of mm-hmm. everything it's for a guy that's heavily involved in the PA and been around the league for a really long time I struggle to communicate to newer guys in the league how it works and why it works that way and all the different rules and buckets and all of that and it shouldn't be that way um, if money's always going to attract talent so you know we need to increase that um, I guess the quickest way to increase that is to, to make more money off of television. And so how do we improve what's on TV? Um, that's that's got to be how you look at it, I think. And um, I don't know the direct answer to that. I know that playing games during the day in summer is, is a disaster. Um, I know that playing multiple games in a row in the summer 
with travel in the U.S. is, is challenging. Mm-hmm. And when you've got teams that are exhausted and, and not playing their full squads, it's not going to be great. Uh, the level still right now is not good enough, like in Mexico, where you can play guys number, you know, sprinkle in a couple starters and play, you know, some guys that are usually outside of year 18 and have the level look like a normal level. It's still not there. That's It's night and day from when I started. Don't get me wrong. We've now got guys that legitimately could play in MLS that don't make an 18, which is way further than how it used to be. But it's still not as deep um, as the Mexican teams. I mean, we, you can't be relying on guys that are making 70000 60000 that are that are doing coaching because they need the extra money to then go out there and compete against guys that are making $7 million and it be, you know, comparable. Right. Uh, so it's a long answer. I don't know if no, it's even fine. an answer. But, um, so if you were MLS commissioner for a day, would you just get rid of the buckets, get rid of GAM, get rid of TAM, get rid of DPs, and just put all the money into one bucket and say spit it as you wish? Ideally, but... I know that that's probably not going to happen, but I think that you could allow teams to be more flexible. Mm-hmm. You know, if Atlanta wants to spend more money, then let them spend a little bit more money. If, you know, if LA and, and bigger teams and Portland and Seattle and the teams that want to further this league and they want to spend more and they're eager to do so, then you have to take the reins off and stop letting a few of the owners keep the league down mm-hmm. you know it's I understand that some of those owners have done a lot for this league and have lost a ton of money and you know have been here the longest and so they have a lot of weight and we have a lot of respect for those guys because we wouldn't be here without them but at the same time the league's at a different level right now it's at a different place and you know it's either time for those guys to realize it and, and step up to the newer owners or or I don't know force them to sell because you know, it, it's progressing faster and it needs to continue and there's owners that want it to continue. And uh, you know, I think that if, if they were allowed to, things would things would speed up faster. What's the, the thing that you wish the MLS supporter, the, the, the fan, knew about the players or the league that they just don't know? The thing that I guess players talk about, why don't they understand this? Or journalists? Um, um, why don't they understand this? Um, hmm. I don't know, actually. I'll have to come back to that one. Okay, we can come back to it in a minute. Think about it while we're talking. That's fine. So, Atlanta United has been held up as the model for newer franchises coming in. I have told people I'm not sure that it should be because it's a different situation, different type of ownership uh, with more financial freedoms, I think, than perhaps others. But there's still fundamentals that new franchises need to follow. As a guy who's been around Europe MLS a long time, what do you think is 
like a fundamental that Nashville needs to follow, that Austin needs to follow, that Inner Miami needs to follow, that whomever comes in in the subsequent years needs to follow to be successful. Yeah, I think that where the league is now, you can't expect to come in and skimp on things and expect to compete right away. Mm-hmm. I think that Cincinnati found that out this year. Um, they spent money, but they didn't do it wisely. And um, I'm not saying they spent enough because they probably didn't, but um, I'm not. I don't know if there's one direct model that works. Obviously, the newer model is getting younger guys, um, bringing them in from South America mostly, um, where you can find cheaper talent, and there's an abundance of talent down there and bringing them in and and hopefully one day sell them as a profit and obviously that's a great business model if it works out and you know for us it has and for LAFC it looks like it it will and has um you know but you know I don't think that we're past the point where you know you bring in Wayne Rooney Mm -hmm. I mean he was a huge success uh Zlatan big success I mean these guys still are winners and they elevate the play of guys around them. So you can do it through that model as well. It's just more lucrative long-term, obviously, if you can f- get younger players and turn them for a profit in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, if some owners just want to win right now and that's less of importance, then you, know, you can go out and get more proven guys. But uh, it's more costly up front and you probably don't make as much, you know, in the end yeah, it's uh, dead money right um, it's important to get the academy going as quick as possible and get that up and running and and be organized with it it's important to have a training ground where guys can feel comfortable and have a home and you know it was difficult for us when we were you know new and didn't have this yet and we're commuting to Flowery Branch and you know training times and travel and stuff it's just a logistical nightmare so uh I wish that MLS would would wait until teams are set up and ready to go before they're before they were in. Cincinnati wasn't ready to go. Um, you know the stadium, the fans are great, but the stadium's terrible to play on, at least. Um, and that's just you know being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're not the only situation, and um, but so there's no one model, but you know. You can't come in thinking that I'm going to do this on the cheap. You know, this is just a long-term investment. You mm-hmm. know, because then it does nobody any good. Darlington, Jeff, who are you going to miss most when the final game is played? I know you can keep up with them on social media, but who are you going to? If it's not them, Winkler. Winkler, you're going to miss most. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Chris Winkler is Atlanta United's uh, media coordinator. Uh, Great looking guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously very close with Darlington. We have a good time. Um, you know, he sits next to me in the locker room. We we room on the roads, so we've got a close relationship. Um, I heard y'all carpool sometimes too. Yeah, we carpool into stadiums. Usually, him and I. Sometimes Justin as well. Who gets um, to drive? Usually, Dad picks them up, and um, <laughs> then we go. <laughs> Uh, we switch it up sometimes. 
but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's the, probably the biggest thing I'll miss is the banter in the locker room, you know, being on the road, hanging out with the guys and hanging out at meals and what we talk about and just relaxing. Um, those conversations uh, I'll miss. You know, we've got a good group, um, you know, Brad, Alec, myself, and Jeff, Julian, Justin, D. Um, got a good group of guys, Mikey. Uh, he scored a heck of a goal last night. He did score a heck of a goal. <laughs> Great celebration, too. <laughs> I saw you tweet about that. Terrible. <laughs> Disaster. Um, yeah, so I'll definitely miss that. We, we, we enjoy ourselves. We have to. It's a long season. We're yeah. together a lot. And uh, if you don't, it just... It's not good for the uh, morale. Who's the attacker you're not going to miss facing? Um, Anybody big, strong, and fast. (laughs) (laughs) So wink for it again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this... I mean, it's it's a lot of them these days. But uh, I don't miss playing against Villa, Javinko. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they're not tall, big, and fast, but those guys are... Really good, really difficult to play against because they're so smart. Um, but I, I won't miss like having a you know, match up against guys like Ellis or Kyoto mm. or uh, Bunbury or um, Adi. You know, guys like that. That when I was playing central central defender, um, you know, it's just. A physical grind to try and match up with these guys and deal with crosses and, and balls in the air and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, good riddance to that. Do you think of an answer to the question about one thing you wish people knew? Um, pause it. Uh, I think that. Um, yeah, I think that. I'm sure the fans understand how much we care, but, um, you know, it's true. I mean, we obviously hate losing. That's why we're all professionals. That's why we've all made it this far, because we've got that competitiveness. Um, And and we we, we take it hard, even myself, even sometimes, you know, I'm more even keeled. Um, You know, I've been doing it for a while now, but it still affects me. We can't sleep at night. You know, usually on a 7.30 game, you know, guys aren't getting to sleep before two because you, it just takes a while to come down and you're thinking about things and good or bad. And, um, you know, it affects us for a while. And, and also I think the, the support from the fans is, is so important to us. You know, I talk about how the environment is, is the best in MLS and it really pushes us and it does. Um, we can tell when it's quieter in there. You know, we can tell when people are on their edge. We can tell when they're excited and when they're into it. You know, even though I'm on the field and I'm playing, I, 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 you can sense it, and it is uplifting. And so I, I hope it's always like that. You know, no matter how things are going in the future, uh, I hope that the atmosphere in the stadium always stays the same because it's amazing and. Um, you know the players. We love it, and obviously, it helps. It helps motivate us, and even more uh, when we're at our home field. So, what are you going to do your first day of retirement? 
Sleep Hopefully in. hit the golf course. <laughs> um, maybe grab some fast food for lunch. Uh, When's the last time you had fast food? Like true fast food? Um, probably the last time we had like four days off in a row or something. So middle of the season at some point. What was it? Uh, usually uh, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, <laughs> yeah. Usually I go there. I don't know if Chipotle is fast food. Mm. Kind of on the border. Um, but yeah, that's probably my cheat meal. And you said that, um, just the last two, you said that you kind of felt like your legs weren't there in the preseason. And that's when you kind of, I think, is when you said you started thinking about maybe this might be it for you. I was curious, was there just a specific moment when you kind of realize, I just, I can't get there to, to the level I want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was in Fullerton or, or even, you know, the first day out here or what it might have been. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you get older and you take time off, um, it's challenging. I think it's important to take time off because physically and mentally you need to get a little bit of rest and recovery. But, you know, the older you get, the more time off, uh, the tougher it is to get back into it. And because of the long season last year... Uh, a lot of games and, and obviously uh, going all the way to the end I needed time off but uh, getting back into it like you said was extremely difficult and it just especially the first two weeks I just felt like every possession drill every game I thought man I'm trying to get in front of this pass or I'm trying to block this pass or I see that what's going to happen but I, I'm not doing it it's the feet aren't not getting there um, so it's disappointing and it's like what the heck is going on right now? Like, I, my my mind is saying, "Hey, get that," and my feet are just seconds behind, and I'm late to everything. Um, so that went on for a while, but I mean, I felt better as the season went on. But obviously, still, even when I'm out there today, sometimes you know, it's just you lose a half a step, and it's everything in this game. You know, especially it's not like I was ever like the fastest guy out there or you know the most physical or anything so when you you start to lose that half step it makes a big difference um especially these playing against younger guys these days uh so I don't want to I'd rather go out just a little earlier than a little late are you faster than anybody on the team heck yeah Doug (laughs) I figured you'd say Brad faster than Brad on one leg. um, Definitely. I'm not that slow yet, dog. All right. There's a a few guys I can still take. Okay. And there's a... I'm just kidding. I can't take him. There's a question I asked Tony yesterday, but I wanted to get a player's perspective on it too. A lot of parents get out there and they think they watch their kids play soccer and they think, oh, he can be a pro. What is the thing that parents need to do just so that their kids can enjoy playing soccer and maybe develop into someone that has potential? Yeah, I think it's important that parents don't put the pressure on their their child that, you know, we expect you to become a pro. Like, you have to go with the process. Kids develop at different ages. I was 100 pounds going into high school. Um... Obviously, I I would have gotten overlooked by a ton of coaches just because I wasn't, you know, physical. I wasn't. I hadn't really grown yet. Um, you know, so it, it's really challenging. You know, 
when kids are younger to, to see who's going to develop in, into what. And I, I've seen it so many times where you've got kids that, you know, are middle of the pack and then all of a sudden they really, over the course of a year or two, at whatever age, you know, mid-teens, late-teens, they really progress fast. And others that usually because they're more physically uh, gifted when they're younger dominate and then when other kids start to catch up they start to fall off because they've only relied on their physical gifts Mm -hmm. and you can't do that as a professional everyone's physically gifted Um, but there's so much more to being a pro than just being good on a soccer field it's crazy and they don't not everybody can can make it mentally and the mental part of it is huge you know do you know how to train as a professional can you handle the grind can you handle being kicked can you handle being yelled at because you will be as a younger player you know can you handle a preseason with pros and how difficult it is and how your body's going to feel and you know when you have a bad couple days can you mentally get over it and find your confidence again and get back into it and you know what do you do with your day when you're done training at one o'clock and you've got the rest of the day to yourself? You know, how are you taking care of your body? Are you doing work in the gym? You know, there's, there's so much to being a professional other than like the hour and a half you're on the field. And of course that's super important, but I've seen a ton of kids that can't handle the rest of it. And it slowly starts to affect what's going on out on the field. And all of a sudden you get in a downward spiral and some kids never come out of it. And so um, you know it's difficult you you have to be mentally tough you have to have the physical tools um, and you need guidance you know guidance is important and not just somebody that's telling you that you're the best all the time hey you're going to do it you're going to be the best yeah you want somebody that's going to give you confidence but you also need to be realistic I think you know like hey some kids need to go to college that doesn't mean you're not going to turn pro or you know some kids are ready right away. Um, some kids need to go to USL first. Everybody's path is different. You know, I don't think that there's one way to become a professional. Um, you know, and not everybody has to be the best player to become a professional. I, I think that's important too. Like, you know, a role player on a professional team is just just as important. I mean, not going to get paid as much, but right. um, doesn't mean you can't become a professional and have a great career. What's the dumbest question I've asked you ever? Oh, I don't know if we have time for me to recollect them all, Doug. Um, it's a long list. <laughs> uh, I always enjoy our interviews, Doug. Oh, you're too kind. But I know I've asked plenty of dumb questions. Um, well, that dumb question seems like a, a good way to end a series of questions. Uh, <laughs> what do you have coming up other than the big game on October 19th against New England uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Um, well, when the season does conclude, and hopefully that's not until November 11th, 10th, whenever that Sunday is there, MLS Cup, hopefully that'll be it. But um, a few of the guys, myself, uh, included, we're going to be coaching a camp in Marietta um, for kids, and uh, we're actually going to be coaching. This is not going to be just us overseeing things and just a money grab. We're actually going to be out there grinding, coaching kids, um, trying to pass on knowledge, 
Um, we're teaming up with an awesome company called Toka Football. They're gonna we're gonna use their machines. Um, so it's gonna be a, a really cool camp. Uh, kids are gonna learn a lot. Um, so you know, visit my social pages for for signups for that if you want to come out and, and have a good time. It's right before Thanksgiving, so uh, hopefully. Uh, that'll work with schedules, but uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Jeff Lorenowitz and his intensity coaching a youth camp. It's going to go well, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure everyone's toned down and um, enjoying ourselves, but the, kid, the kids will learn a lot for sure. Right. Jeff's going to be part of it. Alec, Mikey, Kevin, myself. Uh, it, it's going to be good. We're going to put on a good camp. It's going to be organized, and uh, kids are going to learn a lot. That was just a joke. I always enjoy talking to Jeff, and everyone kind of digs at him because of his intensity, but it's kind of helped him get this far in his career as well, as you were talking about. Um, so, And how do people find your social pages? Where are you? Uh, Mike Parkhurst 3 on Instagram and MF Parkhurst on Twitter. Yep, those two. All right, there you go. Uh, look for those that camp information on his social media pages. And maybe Mikey Ambrose can have a better celebration and Mike can uh, have a little more fun with him at, after that. Um, as always, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I am going to miss you. I've always enjoyed talking with you. Uh, you've always answered the bell, win or lose. Um, we haven't got to talk to you as much this year, but the little two-day-before press conference that we'd always have, two days before the game, you always gave us good stuff, so I'm going to miss that, but I do wish you the best. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.